Welcome to Sports Tech Atlanta Sea Talk. I'm your host, Sterling Mack. Joined by Worcester Sports Radio host, Taylor Mack. Today, May 7th, we will bring to you two new interesting sports tech stories and a special guest to talk through mental health. So as I said, um, we're going to do two, typically we do three uh, sports tech stories, but this week we're going to do two. Uh, it's going to be more of like a flow, flowing type of conversation. Uh, we have a guest, Kayla Keller, that will come in here at the end, uh, who's a health professional uh, out of Kentucky, and kind of talk through some things going on um, within just the mental health space, like within sports, but also just some, and some things that we're going to discuss. Um, so the first really company that we wanted to highlight that I think is it's just pretty cool and, and just full disclosure. So Sports Tech Atlanta um, is partnered with Beyond the Game or we partnered with Beyond the Game Network um, back in October. Beyond the Game Network is an investor in this company and this company is called Eight Sleep. <clears throat> so Eight Sleep is a really cool technology that they've advanced, they've created in my opinion and it's maybe uh, it's, it, this isn't like hyperbole or anything, really the most advanced mat, uh, mattress out there. Uh, it's able to record your sleep. It's got really this kind of pod and a hub kind of attached to it and the hub uh, has water in it. It's able to then cool or heat uh, your mattress and through these like different layers that they have uh, kind of ingrained in the mattress. Um, really cool technology enables you to get amazing night's sleep. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things for especially young athletes is understanding uh, really how to get the most out of your body and how to get the most out of your body from a sleep perspective. I know I had that, uh, I, I can't, to be honest, still have a little bit of an issue sometimes going to sleep. So uh, Taylor, what did you think about uh, the story made sleep? Uh, I think it's a, it's a great bed because let me tell you, first and foremost, I'd be sweating out here. These normal mattresses, too hard, maybe too soft, not just not the right. You know, it, 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 it's the it's the the three little pigs with me when it comes to mattresses. And uh, I I like everything that comes with uh, with this mattress, being able to cool it off and then also tracking how your sleep is. So uh, they, I think the stat right now is 70 percent, 70 percent of people that use the cooling function, at least have said that they've had a better night's sleep and uh, improved uh, health benefits as well with that. So um, I would love to, if they would ship me a, a, a practice mat, I will be a, a tester for them forever if they need it, because I would love to be cool at night. Fans don't work all the time. You just recirculating hot air in your room. If, if your air isn't cooled off prior to getting in now, the sheets always cold, no warm spot for my feet. Yeah, it's interesting. They uh, they talk about the fact that traditional mattresses uh, at our, are at our gosh are at around eighty seven degrees, whereby the eight sleep pod uh, is is typically kind of on average around seventy two degrees. I mean, just imagine that. To your point, like I sweat a ton when I sleep. Um, I'm not trying to give everyone that image out there, but it's uh, just something that kind of happens. I think it's it's one of those things where until you really understand and kind of dive into uh, how you're sleeping and why you're sleeping and the type of rim cycle that you're on. Uh, you're not able to really fix kind of the issues that you're having at night. Um, and eight sleep is a great way to do that. So um, yeah, we wanted to just highlight them. I think it's really from a health perspective, right? A lot of people don't focus on that, 
but I thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about as, as we kind of dive in today into, uh, into mental health. Yeah. You get the ranges of 55 degrees to hundred and 10 degrees. I don't know why anybody would be sleeping at 110 degrees. If that's what you like, if you can handle that heat, <laughs> kudos to you. That would be great for the nap. You know, if I wanted to come in during the day, I just want my bed to feel a little bit warm. That'd be some, That'd be good napping, but then you start sweating, and then you got to cool right back off. 110 degrees? No, I don't know if I'm napping at 110 degrees. Say you say you set it, and you'd be like, you know, 15 minutes. It tells it can tell that you're asleep. Then it cools the bed off, so it starts it off warm, so you get nice and cozy, and then it cools it off as it realizes that you're asleep or you have it set that way. If you're, if you're, it's just nap nap time, maybe at night. Who knows? But yeah, I like to sleep with the room cold. Um, this obviously aids in that tremendously. So. It's essentially like if you wanted to put a purchase down for a Peloton, now you put it down for a bed and you use the bed. You what sleep a third of your life. Great investment. Uh, I think that's what they say. <clears throat> yeah, no, it really is. Um, I think it's just, you know, to your point, right? Like the, I, I thought about it on the flip side too. There's so many times when you you're warm and then you don't want to get out of bed. Right. Mm-hmm. Just imagine if you're able to kind of like change it so that it, it heats up in the morning, like on the weekends. So now you're just like, you're just cozy, right? You turn it on Netflix, you just feel good. So um, yeah, this is, uh, the technology is absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah. I think, the, I think the big question too is, and obviously I know people are probably thinking about it, you, because you, you were saying how it circulates through that little system, uh, either air, water, but it, it's, it's a cooling system that either heats up the bed or cools the bed off. Now you got your active crowd, that be bumping bumping up in the bed. Let's you got activity in the bed. Is it going to hold up and be sturdy for those that are very active when it comes to using their beds? Because next next thing you you don't you don't want to just realize next thing you know you you you, you sprung a leak because it couldn't handle the power commotion in the bed. <laughs> Has that been tested? I don't know if they've tested that. Are you? Are you? Um, Motion in the ocean in the bed. That's what. That's that's what I'm. Are you advising them that you would be willing to test for that? Or for- am I? Am, am I willing? If I get a free bed, <laughs> hey, you can throw a free bed my way anyway. I will. I will test it out. Left, right, up, down, sleep. It doesn't matter. Any any type of any type of test you need me to do, I can do it for you. I'm sure they're very happy to hear that. Um, and we'll take that in, into consideration. No, but it is a great bet though. Let's uh, I, I just wanted to see if that was answered. No, it was, it was. <laughs> um, yeah. So that is uh that is eight sleep. That's our first story uh, today. So the second one, again, we're kind of just talking a little bit through this. And, and like I said, we're going to have a, a special guest here in a little bit. Um, this was super cool here a couple of days ago. The Big Ten Network, or the, excuse me, the Big Ten Conference, shout yeah. out, um, announced that they are creating or forming a mental health and wellness cabinet, um, and that all athletes, coaches, and full-time staff members of athletic departments and the conference uh, will receive free access to a popular mental fit, uh, fitness app. That fitness app is the Calm app. Um, so kind of going back to the to how the – uh, the Big Ten has, has uh, structured this, so they're going to have a cabinet will pr- that's going to promote optimal uh, mental health for athletes. It's made up of 31 individuals representing the 14 conference schools, 
I know it's super weird still that we are the Big Ten Network, but we have 14 conference goals. And are the affiliate members, which is John Hopkins uh, Women's and Men's Lacrosse and Notre Dame Men's Hockey. Um, and the cool part about this, the call, so the call map has been out there for really a few years. Uh, you know, you've probably seen some Instagram ads on it, uh, but it's it's an it's a really really cool app. Um, don't know what anyone else uses out there. If you just use a Spotify playlist or or kind of whatever to just relax right now, we're all in this really weird place with COVID and, and having to be inside. And um, what are we on week seven, week eight right now of, of social distancing? And I'm sure people are trying to figure out like, what are ways where I could kind of like, you know, you, you're not able to get away right now. How can I get away? The call map does an amazing job with that. Um, so it's, it's really able to uh, lower your stress, lower your anxiety and improve your focus. And again, help with a more restful sleep. Uh, Taylor, what'd you think about this? No, I think it's uh, a great move by the big 10, big 14, as you like to put it, uh, conference to, to look out for their athletes. But I, I mean, it's going to be tough. What, what about, what about that athlete that, you know, you get berated by your coach, coach yelling at you. I took, I took a dookie that is tougher than you. And then now you got to like sit there and you're thinking about that all day. This calm app. Is that going to, is that going to help you get over your, your being berated by the coaches? I, so I hope it does help because that's where I want to say as a former player, 90, 90% of your stress comes from because obviously games are stressful, but like you can, you can attest to it. Practices are that much more stressful. So this does give you an area where if hopefully you can get away. Um, this all really comes down to the scheduling though. If we're going to be honest by the each individual team by school. So if your schedule is really jam packed, when are you going to be able to, to kind of use these benefits that they're, that they're allowing for players. So on paper, um, I'm just going to keep it real on paper. It looks good, but when the application process or the application portion of it comes into effect for these teams, are they really going to be able to carve out, make sure that players have enough time so that they do, uh, that they are relaxing. Cause if, if, if you're not familiar, let's go with the biggest moneymaker. That's what everybody sees. That's college football Saturdays, normal schedules in the fall. You're going 6 a.m. lifting weights from 6 a.m. weights. You're going to 8 o'clock class, 8 o'clock class. You're going 8 to 11, depending on when your your practice might be in the morning. If it is, and it'll be different. But if it's afternoon, traditional practice, let's go off of that. So 8 to possibly 12 o'clock, maybe 1130, you're in class. Then you go to meetings right after that. So from meetings, then you get a, maybe 20 minutes to get, to get it from the locker room to practice field. So you're you're stretching all the way to about 7 o'clock. Uh, where you're finally done, let's say, with obligations from on the field, then from eating, training table that's provided by the school. Then you have study hall right after. So the only time you can use this app is back in your room where you are still probably have to get some work done or you want to relax with some friends. So I would love if they carved out time for you to be able to, hey, this is your period to just de- distress, relax, because a lot of these athletes, um, I don't know if you saw the story of the um, – player from Clemson who was planning on taking his own life, but, you know, had an epiphany essentially and from the stresses that he's been dealing with, but almost, almost lost a a young soul. And now he's here to advocate for, for mental health. So as long as there's a structure about for players allowed from, allowed from by teams to carve it out for them, I think this is really good, but on paper, great idea. And it's a great motion that the big 10 is putting into effect. I will, I will say that. Yeah, to your point, hopefully, um, you know, the call to your point, I, I, hopefully the call map is able to help with that. It, it is the, the 
the stressful part of being an athlete is practice. Uh, but also I think trying to, especially when you're younger, like freshman, sophomore, trying to handle the workload that is school, um, being a, a collegiate athlete, but also trying to figure out where you fit in socially. Right. I think those three things in this, you're, you're trying to figure it out socially. You're trying to figure out who you are as a person. Uh, but then you're also trying to like excel and, and figure out where, if you want to go to class and what does that mean to you and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is to your point. I think the scheduling uh, is a big part of that, right? How we schedule um, athletes because so much of the time is, is built in for the actual sport. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you make some amazing points there, man. I think it's, it's, it's all very true there. So, um, and yeah, do you use, so do you actually say something interesting? I think, I mean, so when do you feel like for you, you were the most stressed out and what was the, what was the most difficult part of, of UConn football for you mentally? Tuesdays and Thursdays when we had pump return. Easily. <laughs> <laughs> the stress of catching punts. Um, that was probably that. I mean, that was the most stressful. Didn't eat on those days because you, you knew it was it was high stress for those 30 minutes that we ran through punt team, 20 minutes, whatever. So, yeah, I didn't eat on those days at all. Nothing. Maybe a couple bites at lunch, but you were trying to stay mentally keeping yourself mentally right for those moments. So that could be different for everybody. Maybe it's an individual period that you might have had. Uh, if you didn't make play in, in college um, or at the next level, you know, in high school, you everybody had those different periods where, it, you know, the sole attention is on you. So that could have been your most stressful period. So for me, yeah, Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I think that was, if I had that right, or it could be Monday, Monday, Wednesday. But uh, yeah, Monday, Wednesday. Um, yeah. Pump return period. So stressful. Yeah. And, um, I definitely. How about yourself? Um, God, I can't. Uh... Probably say we had a couple things. One was a, a drill called 27 outs where you had to be perfect for 27 straight outs. Mm, it's tough. Uh, but it was also kind of BS, right? Cause the coaches would do things to just like mess with certain people. Or if you were just having a day, right. They would just pick on you. So that was super stressful. Um, I think the other one was, yeah, we, um, we would actually do bunting practice, like live bunting. And mm. not that bunting is like super, super hard, but when your coach is like 40, 35 feet away and throwing as hard as they can at you, it's just, it's absolutely nerve wracking. And the whole team's like kind of around you, right? And get a run if you don't get it. So those are like the worst days, I think, for me. And it's so crazy that like practice is where you get anxiety in the game. It's just like so natural for you, you know? Yeah. Pra I mean, practice is supposed to be harder so that you are relaxed. Um, so it's similar, I would say, you know, from my punt return to your bunt, your bunting uh, drills, where it's so, it's, it's individual focused or it's an individual like, moment for you that also that has a big implication bigger implication for the rest of the team so um yeah it's 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 highly stressful moments but yeah it does make the games easier makes yeah. you look forward to the games yeah so the calm app will help those players hopefully find uh, that right space um but you need the the external support to make sure that their mind is in that right space before you get in there. You can't just tell somebody to go sit down there and their, their mind is still, you know, not in the space that they need to be. And then you, you, you put it all on the individual. So I, I hope that teams continue to put more things in place for players 
but this is a good step. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Again, shout out to uh, the Big Ten Conference for putting this together. Um, so we will now bring in uh, Kayla Keller and just kind of talk through more about mental health. All right. So joining us now is a health professional. So Kayla Keller has been a certified athletic trainer for 10 years, working with middle school age athletes through Olympians. She's the creator of the first ever mental health series for student athletes in Jefferson County Athletics and is part of AT's care community. She serves on the Great Lakes Regional Committees for uh, Advocacy, Diversity, and Inclusion in Athletic Training. Kayla, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it's definitely an important subject. Uh, yeah, definitely. So we were just kind of talking about the Big Ten Conference and, and uh, their new initiative um, with the call map to, to really kind of give this ability or, or um, you know, really kind of facilitate mental health down to their athletes and, and to their teams. Um, what are your thoughts there? And, and, and I guess one, did you see the story and what are your thoughts there? Yeah, actually, I was looking into it. Um, initially, I was kind of reviewing what the NBA has done because um, they they started something roughly last fall. Um, so I think, you know, it was definitely overdue. Uh, I think there might be some challenges initially just in terms of, and, you know, you guys can speak on this having been college athletes, but um, there's kind of that stigma there of, you know, it being viewed as a sign of weakness, unfortunately, to have some type of mental health struggle. So my hope is with them starting this, that athletes feel like they have a more welcoming environment to kind of talk about these issues, whether it's performance anxiety or depression, um, you know, eating disorders. It's definitely an issue. Um, but they've, they've found that only 10% of athletes who struggle with mental health issues feel able to speak about them and seek help for it. So I think it's, it's definitely a good move. Yeah. It's, I know from, you know, being in locker rooms and everything, it is like you're saying, it's it's not the most welcoming environment because it's always it's, you're all, it's always assumed that you're supposed to have your stuff together. Everybody should you just if something's wrong, something's going wrong, just pick yourself up, keep moving, keep going. You're fine. So don't show that weakness though in the in the same sense. At least for in a in in a in the the men's locker rooms that I've seen. So it really is good that um, it's making it and turning into a healthier conversation so that people don't feel ostracized if they do start talking about it and be like, you know what, mentally I'm not right. I mean, we've seen so many stories now of people coming out and be like, you know what, I just need to either retire early for my own mental health, you know, from a professional standpoint and, you know, college players, like I, I need just, I got to take some time away from the game for a second. Um, so what's the biggest thing that you've seen when it comes with how much, you know, technology intertwines with sports now? So from, you know, posting on social media, whether if, you know, if you're a high, recruit or athlete or anything like that garnered attention but how do you see that play the play that you've seen with social media um and athletics has it added higher stress or um kind of alleviated to give people an avenue to talk about their stuff 
Uh, I kind of see, you know, both sides of it. I think that it's great that we have, you know, for example, NBA players who have become very vocal about their mental health struggles. I think that sets a really good stage for the youth, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's a whole another level of stress to be an athlete with, you know, technology being so accessible now because, you know, say you're um, – on the championship team and your team loses in that game. And all of a sudden you have a flurry of fans posting about you on Twitter constantly or posting on your Facebook wall, like you blew the game, this, that, and the other. So, you know, I think it's really easy for people to forget that athletes are human beings as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it does take a toll. Um, you know, with my high school and middle school athletes, self-confidence is definitely a struggle at those ages. And so, um, you know, I think technology is a blessing, but at the same time, it can be a curse. So um, what do you think about we've done a couple stories um, with from the analytics side of things that are mm-hmm. going to start if they're already implemented in the professional level and kind of depending on, you know, your county that you're in um, at the high school level, or, you know, if you're at like a private school as well, what you have financially, you know, at your disposal for a school or county. Mm -hmm. So you might start seeing some of these new instruments and tools that are being used kind of implemented. So there's these analytical breakdowns showing exactly how you're running, you know, how much power you're giving. Mm -hmm. If you've kind of been loafing on a play from a swimming perspective, what your strokes looking are looking like, do you think that will be helpful in the long term, for for you know those budding like you're saying, middle schoolers and high schoolers who are already kind of struggling. So now it's like you put pen to paper of like, ooh, yeah, you know, like this is what the national average is, and you're here. You know, do you think that could be motivational, or do you think that's going to be more detrimental? I honestly think it'll be individualized. You know, mm-hmm. some kids, it's just going to be additional motivation and. Um, almost a system that they can hold themselves accountable with. A lot of personalities thrive off of accountability, but those who are more prone to things like anxiety and performance anxiety, panic attacks, et cetera, I can see that being, you know, another, another hurdle. Um, You know, the athletic identity is a hundred percent a thing, you know, for a lot of people, athletics is all they know. And they've had that since they were, you know, five years old. So when something potentially happens to affect that, especially if it's potentially being taken away, whether it's poor performance in the classroom, for example, that's really difficult for people to cope with. I mean, we can look at a lot of pro athletes, for example, Greg Oden. I mean, he really struggled with losing that athletic identity because of, Um, physical and mental struggles. So I think coaches will be excited about it because it's another metric that they can use to grade the athletes, right? right? But there's also that balancing act of, okay, when is it too much? When do we give them a break from the expectations and the pressure? Because, you know, anymore it's constant. That was a perfect way to put it with uh, the balancing act on that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like so? Can I go back to the that statistic that you threw out earlier? Mm-hmm. Uh, that ten percent there. Do, 
it's it's more prevalent in media, like you just said. You know, you've got NBA players talking about mental health. Is there any carry? Do you still feel like there's just there's just a stigma, especially around male athletes and male locker rooms, that it's that you just you just don't put yourself into something, you know, like mental health or, or downloading the the downloading an app or going to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, as an athlete, you're told you can't be weak, right? Whether that's physical or mental, you know, whatever the case is. So unfortunately, because so many people are still not open to the seriousness of mental health conditions, then it's it's being viewed as a weakness. And that's why a lot of athletes don't feel comfortable coming forward about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the NBA, they they have someone for every single team. But I think it's important to note that that person is not affiliated with the league or the players association whatsoever. So they've been offered that um, resource knowing that they will be exempt from repercussions because there's no one to, to be whispering in the background like, oh, I just saw him go into her office or his office. Right. So I'll be interested to see how the Big Ten approaches that aspect of it, because, you know, let's be honest, coaches watch when athletes go into the training room. They're definitely going to watch when they go, you know, to talk to the mental performance department. It's like, hey, I've been uh, seeing you go in that training room all, you know, three weeks now. What's uh, mm-hmm. what's, what's what's how you feeling? It's like exactly I just broke my leg. <laughs> <laughs> What are you, you expecting from me? You expect me to be ready already? Like, get off right. my back. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's- so I'm interested to see how they'll approach that part of it to make sure that repercussions won't happen against these mm-hmm. athletes. Because if we want them to have more open conversations, then it has to truly be coming from the right place. Um, if you could go into – so you've created this mental health series for student-athletes. Um, talk about that a little bit. Talk about where you got the inspiration to, to really work on it and, and what you're trying to do with it. Yeah, so basically the reason why it started was because in one semester, I had three student athletes try to take their lives. Um, and so with that being such a short amount of time and me being at a smaller school, that was definitely like alarm bells were going off. So I started to compile data at my school and then started reaching out to all the other athletic trainers in the district and um, basically just proposed to the, the district like the numbers don't lie. This is a huge problem in our athletic community and we need to create some resources for these kids. So um, in addition to luckily the state has added on a mental health questionnaire into their physical And initially, when I saw that put in, I was like, well, number one, a lot of parents fill out the physical. So are they going to be honest about their kids' struggles? And number two, if the kids are filling it out, are they going to be honest? And I was happily surprised to have so many kids marking that they were struggling with things. So for me, it made it easier to flag those kids and get them into the resources sooner before it escalated. So... um, you know, fast forward about six months and I finally got the proposal approved with the school district and I pulled in 
the director of mental performance at University of Louisville, as well as um, Norton Healthcare, which is one of the main hospitals in the area. And, um, you know, we basically just sat down and decided these are the subjects that we feel like our youth need to hear about right now. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, we started reaching out to, um, you know, uh, pro athletes who have been very open about their struggles, whether it was homelessness and depression or addiction, um, you know, performance anxiety, so on and so forth, so that we could get some people in front of these kids that are saying like, Hey, I mean, you might have seen me on TV once a week, but I was really dealing with some heavy stuff behind the scenes and it's okay. Um, And even, you know, UofL athletes were willing to to come on camera as well and say, yeah, I mean, I, I really struggle with anxiety sometimes and utilizing these people has really helped me get through that. And so just having that open conversation with them that, you know, let's talk about it. It's okay. Like, you know, let's have the conversation. And um, so, yeah, it's, it, it kind of took off like wildfire once it was actually approved. So that was a really nice feeling to see everyone in the community wanting to support the cause that they understand the importance of it. And um, we're all all coaches coaches behind behind that. that. Yeah. I mean, I granted, I haven't really had. I've actually shockingly had athletic trainers tell me they don't see the value in it, and that was difficult for me to hear from my peers, right? Because um, in the athletic training room, it's it's kind of a separate entity, so it's fairly normal for me to have kids come in to have those conversations with me of either they need some snacks because they're not eating enough at home or they are unfortunately dealing with some abuse at home or they're self-harming. You know, those are the types of things they can't really prepare you for in school, but it comes with the job. So you've got to be ready for it. And that's kind of what I said to them was I was like, I mean, we aren't, you know, psychologists, we aren't counselors, but we're part of that puzzle. And it's our job to be prepared to get them in and, to the right people for those types of things. Yeah. I always looked at my training, my trainers as kind of like the barbershop a little bit where, you know, you you get some good advice. You, you, you just, you speak freely because you Mm -hmm. know nothing should come back against you from what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I would just assume HIPAA applied to anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) within the training room. So like you speak more comfortably with, you know, uh, at least I did from my experiences with all your trainers, cause you just keep it real and you expect an honest answer back as well. So you can confide, um, in your trainer in your trainers, which was always a good thing that I could look at. So if people are, you know, if you never thought that you could, you can. And like you're saying, you know, you, you don't, you didn't go to school for psychology. You're not a psychologist, but you kind of learn it as you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, for all those kids that do come to you, it helps them more than that. You, that you probably could ever, ever know at the end of the day. So it's, it's awesome that you're open for, um, you know, having people, you know, players come in and just kind of chop it up with you and keeping it real. And you might be shocked on the inside by hearing something, but you got to keep a stoic face on the outside and just be like, just roll with it and just give an accepting answer that they're looking for. Cause that's all, you know, kids are trying to see is just kind of like, 
a pleading of, of, of kind of help a little bit when they're taught when they're talking out their problems. So um, that's that's really it's a really healthy thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Judge free atmosphere, you know, right. uh, open door policy. I've I've always had that at every place that I've worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I no matter the age, I think that's really important for athletes and even students in general to have. So when so when somebody's flagged uh, that they might need, you know, a little addi- additional assistance, um, say it's during the season. Are you is it like are you pulling people out or is it you, you, like you identify what could be a negative for them and then go that route? Or is it like, hey, you know, I think the stresses of the sport are a little too much. Let's have you take a backseat, even though it's kind of the middle of the season. What's the approach once they are um, so, yeah. on the radar? So it depends on the severity um, mm-hmm. with some, if I, if something is just, so how the, um, the questionnaire works is you can rate like what, like how severe your feelings are with it. So it's on a scale of one, two, three or four. So if I have a kid identify like as a one, I'm like, okay, they're flagged, but there's not a huge concern right now. So I just immediately re- refer them to the counseling department. But let's say that I have someone who's identified they're at like a three or a four on the depression scale. Um, They've commented that they've either thought about self-harm or they're actively doing that. Then that's when I pull in. um, I'll pull in a doc and then I'll also pull in the counseling department. Um, And then we just kind of determine from there, like what the level of participation would be. Um, I find with a lot of my high school athletes, they don't like to talk about their feelings, which I think a lot of adults can relate to as well. Of course. So there's a crisis hotline that they can literally just text and they can text back and forth with the counselor. Mm. And a lot of my kids have really benefited from that. Um, I think it's, it's a fantastic resource, especially for the people who don't, don't want to talk about their struggles, like in, in a physical realm. Mm. That's awesome. Um, I, I guess we'll get you out of here on this one. How, with everything going on, we're in what week seven, week eight, whatever, whatever. Whenever you started quarantining, mm-hmm. um, what would you kind of say to people that are, are, are kind of feeling kind of whatever right now, kind of feeling blah, kind of they're they're trying to figure out, you know, maybe they lost their senior season, um, they don't know if they're going to get you know drafted or recruited or kind of whatever. What would you kind of say to some of those young athletes out there right now? Yeah, so I've actually I've been checking in with my seniors a lot these last like seven or eight weeks and, you know, basically explaining to them it's very normal to feel anxious in this climate right now. It's it's normal to feel upset. They're missing out on a lot of huge milestones for them that they've been looking forward to in their career. Um, So, you know, basically just reiterating that it's okay to feel a range of emotions right now. That's completely healthy and that's completely expected. So the biggest thing I think to keep in perspective is to keep in mind everything that you were able to accomplish before all of this happened, as well as looking forward to what you have to look forward to once all of this dies back down, whether it's okay, I know I'll eventually return to school or I know workouts will eventually start up again. So I have that to look forward to. And honestly, a gratitude journal is a fantastic thing to have right now. Just writing down everything that you do have right now that you can be happy about. And um, 
I've, I've found with a lot of my kids that's kind of changed their day when they've sat down and done something like that. That's, that's cool. That's great advice. Go ahead, Taylor. Uh, just because I haven't really been able to see, you know, just kind of piggybacking off of that. Are, are kids doing any like seniors that, you know, obviously you're missing out and, you know, that were very serious and hoping that this, you know, the extra stats could have pushed them over the, you know, the threshold for getting off or anything. Have you seen people kind of taking the route of going, you know, doing a PG year? So, you know, they had it slated. I was going to go to college, but, you know, instead, now that I can't play, I'm going to go do a PG, PG year, post-grad year mm-hmm. um, somewhere. Yeah, I haven't personally had any experience with it. Um, there has been one girl that I've been talking back and forth with, you know, she's going to be on the dance team at her college. And mm-hmm. um, so we've kind of discussed what that's going to look like for her the next couple months. Uh, but she's still kind of, you know, full-fledged ahead with it. Hasn't really said, like, maybe I should just go ahead and wait until stuff calms down. So, yeah, I honestly haven't talked to anyone that's brought something like that up, but that is something that I thought about, too, is, you know, what happens with these recruits and things like that when they're, like, saying there potentially won't be any football in the fall. It's like, how do you tell a high school senior, hey, uh, I know you're really looking forward to playing at a college this coming year, but uh, it's probably not going to happen until next year. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, hope. Hopefully, we don't have to have them, but it could be a lot of very tough conversations that are going to have to going to have to happen between players, coaches. So it's a new world right now. Yeah, definitely, we're learning a new normal. We will yep. never see what was again. Yep. Yeah, I unfortunately agree with you there. So, um, well, Kayla, no, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for giving the insights. Uh, this was awesome. Like an amazing talk. I think something that we probably should have done for a while. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm so glad that you guys had me on and I'm very glad that you guys are talking about this subject. We appreciate it. Um, well, yeah, well, we appreciate it. And, um, we'll see everyone on the next episode of Sea Talk.